millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. 
now. NobleGoldInvestments.com Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. All right, I think we're live. Welcome to Truth Bombs. I'm joined today by Paul Gallant, sportscaster. You are um, my college classmate at Syracuse. We went to Syracuse together. We did. And uh, there is news out of Syracuse. Um, There is. Yes, because... They're going to give us our money back? (laughs) That would be great because it was an expensive school. (laughs) It was way too expensive. So here's the thing. Syracuse is one of the most respected journalism schools in the nation. Yeah, that's true. Um, We're awesome. I mean, many believe that it is the top journalism school in the nation. Yeah, Northwestern and Missouri, they're always like, ooh. Everyone thinks they're the best, but they're like one of the five, ten best. Um, uh, but here's the thing. So trust in news is at an all-time low. It is? Surprise, surprise. Wow. I mean, it, it is really freaking bad. We'll show, I mean, I put the graph yeah. on the cover of this video. Trust in news is um, at about 11%. Is that 11%? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I didn't think it was that low. I think it would be like really 25. Wow. Uh, so as a journalism school, Syracuse is like, well, we want to address that. So we're going to look at how they're going to address it. I want okay. your, I want your take on what the real problem is with news. Um, so before we jump into the article, shout out to the sponsor of my coverage. It's my favorite flashlight, you guys. You guys know Look about at this. That. <laughs> Every day there's another story about a citizen being attacked in a New York subway or on the sidewalk. Major cities like New York and Los Angeles are on track to surpass last year's violent crime rates. Crime this year has increased 25% in those cities. That that violent crime, yeah, yeah it includes um, rape, homicide, assault, and robbery. Over Jesus. 189 murders took place in New York, and we're only six months into the year. So the <laughs> only people carrying weapons these days are the criminals. You can't carry a gun there. So that's why Fighter Flare has like a militant type flashlight. <laughs> Oh, wow. Can you, like, um, beat someone with it? Yeah. Oh, Hell yeah. Have, yeah, well, they have the ultra, ultra bright uh, okay. strobe light. I, I mean, I, <laughs> strobe light. I took this down to the border in Mexico when I was covering uh, the border, and it, this was this flashlight was literally brighter than the uh, militias. You, you want to test it on me? Sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. That's a but, Saturday night. Huh? And, I mean, if you need to hit someone, I guess, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a hammer on it? Oh, that's sick. It's really, it's supposed to be a, gla- <laughs> wow, a, a glass breaker, but it's pretty freaking sharp. Okay. Yeah, so, and a rope cutter over here, or I, some people think it's a seatbelt cutter. But anyway, it's a really handy. <laughs> uh, at, they call it a wire cutter as well. So, okay. And um, anyway. So it is, you know, if you like handy gadgets that are helpful, it's it's got solar charger. It's got a compass, which came in handy on the border when we didn't know which direction we were in. Right. Um, so you can get this today by going to the link down in my description, fighterflareflashlight.com. Use promo code JULY, guys. We're almost done with July, so get your flashlight now. Dope. 15% off express shipping and a lifetime replacement guarantee. Um, I didn't check. Can you guys hear us okay? Whenever we're live, I get scared that they can't hear us properly. Sub Jim. What's up? What's up? Okay, cool. So let's look at the actual trust in the news um, from Gallup. So okay. it's, I can't believe it's 11%. I yeah, it's figured pretty, it's pretty <laughs> Because people are clearly watching like cable news, right? So you would think that there's trust in the channel that they watch if you're watching Fox News or CNN or something else every single night, right? Like, why would you be watching it every night otherwise if you don't trust it? 
Well, some people just watch to see what the propaganda is. I mean, that's what I try to do with this massive TV I have. But honestly, it got so depressing, I stopped turning it on. Yeah. (laughs) But this here's a big TV. So here's the actual graph from Axios. I don't think I brought this up on the screen, you guys. Oh, I did. Okay, Okay. so here it is. So television news is that uh, pinkish, orangish line, and it's down to it's down to eleven percent. Uh, this is looking at a great deal or quite a lot of confidence. And the newspapers are doing a little bit better at, at 16% trust. Um, but yeah, 11% for TV news. Pretty interesting that TV news, if you see that chart, is at 45% before 1995. And I'm guessing it was higher possibly even than that, just seeing how that line goes straight down. So I don't know, maybe that was because people were just watching network TV and they thought that news was, yeah, fine, and maybe cable news blowing up in the early 90s. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of like that. What was that, about 1992, that it just plummeted? Isn't that when um, Bush Sr., what, didn't he say he, he made a huge lie uh, to his constituents? No he, new taxes, yes. right? Read my lips. Yes, 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 exactly. And then he and then he violated that. And I wonder if oh. if um, people doing this poll said, okay, the news lied to us that he was gonna he wasn't gonna raise taxes, um, and grouped the news in with him. But it's a weird chart for newspapers too, because it goes up and then it goes down and it goes up and it goes down again. And now it's just going down with everything, because everyone right now, I think after the pandemic, everyone's probably thinking to themselves that. Whatever's put out there has maybe a little bit of political persuasion behind it these days. And especially when you also factor in that, you know, most people, Ivory, are clicking on a story based off of the little tease that they have, say it's on Twitter or Facebook, before clicking on the story. It's like headline journalism seems to be the easiest way to go about things. And how many people actually click those headlines these days? So you see those headlines out there, and you might not even see that in a story. It could actually be somewhat trustworthy. Oh, totally. I'm, and a lot of headlines are, seem to be purposely deceptive. I mean, a Reuters mm-hmm. fact check of a study of of the new needle. I, you know, I call it the new needle on my mm-hmm. show because I can't. You oh, know, yeah. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube penalizes that me every, t- every time I talk about what you got in your arm three times. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I got COVID twice. Also, right before I was supposed to travel twice, too, to Boston, of all places. It was like someone was telling me I'm not going to Boston. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stuck it in his arm three times, and he still got ill. Classic. Yeah, Um, I don't know what to say anymore. (laughs) I mean, the CDC doesn't either, so Here's my question. Are you going to get the fourth one or what? No, I'm not. (laughs) No, I mean, the reason, you know, when I was in Seattle and I got it, it was kind of a part of being employed was you had to – you had to get it. Oh yeah, and just to have like a, were, a social life, you couldn't you couldn't too. go into a restaurant yeah. if you had, didn't have it. You had to show your vaccine card, and which was funny because those things didn't fit in your wallet, so you'd bring oh, it out. Oh, they're huge. It'd be all like crumply, and be like, "Hey, this this was a vaccine card at one point," and they would be like, "Okay, fine, we'll let you in." You had to wear your mask when you stood up, but when you were sitting down, you didn't have to wear the mask, which seemed to beat the whole prop purpose. Uh, by the way, you're also wearing like cloth masks, so they're not really doing anything. I don't know. No one knew what the fuck they were doing. It's one of those things where you just kind of find yourself <laughs> doing what you feel like will just help you have a good time when you go out to the bar. 
Oh man, yeah, that was Seattle life. He escaped Seattle yeah, after, back to Texas. Yes. after being. If you watched my first Truth Bombs with him, he escaped after he uh, got he got two year anniversary this week. Oh, yeah. congrats! Yeah, yeah a- after you got um, attacked by Antifa. Well, your building did. Building on attack by Antifa, and then they got attacked by Antifa a week later, but I wasn't allowed to talk about it. What? That's oh crazy. my! Wait, who yeah. said you can talk about it? Uh, I have no comment on the matter. Oh my god, he's getting muzzled. All the media members are getting Classic. muzzled. This is crazy. Yeah, so he's a sportscaster, ESPN Radio Houston, right? Yes, yes, we are um, on 97.5 and 92.5. And I do a show called Vanessa and Gallant. And I know a lot of you probably are thinking, oh, Paul, is he part of the woke ESPN culture? I mean, our show is, and our station is very, like, we have the ESPN title, but it does not feel like we're at ESPN at all because we're just goofy and fuck around all the time, you know? Well, good. That's how sports, yeah. I think, used well, sports, to be and is supposed to be. And sports don't matter. You know, like, exactly. that's the fun part. It's like, just a game. I have a great time just messing around doing it. Now, when I come on to something like this, I'm like, I try to act a little more serious, but generally I just revert to being a clown because that's like, you know, people can handle the news better if you just laugh about it. Yeah, I agree. So, what do you think? What do you think can be done about regaining trust? It's, well, it's 11% for TV and 16% for uh, uh, newspapers. The first thing is stop muzzling your on-air talent. Oh, yeah. Yourself. <laughs> Allow the journalists to actually talk about what's really going on. I mean, that's why I left corporate news. I wasn't allowed to talk in, you know, in, look at the needle in full context, the same way that YouTube doesn't allow it, people to. Fox wouldn't allow me to. Don't look at the needle in full context. Only allow viewers to see the good side. Don't talk about the bad side. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, make you know, make it look perfect. You know, and actually, not only that, but deceive the viewers by saying um, we're, we're going to do a huge headline about two blood clots when, in reality, three thousand people at the time had actually died. But we're going to focus on two blood clots where people survived. Okay. You know, and here's the reality. Most people are doing fine after. You're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> okay. totally fine. You got it. You're doing great. I had the mildest symptoms the second time around. But it's not informed consent if you are not at least letting people know how many people are not doing well. And by the way, way more um, bad reactions on this than any other needle. So mm. if you just let people know that, then they can make their own decision. You know, that way they're not blindsided. By a crazy reaction. But it seems like it's been kind of political from the start. And I, I guess my my point on this, because I, I just try to not pay attention to any of uh, that stuff as you're talking about these days, because it feels oh. like we've just been getting so many different pieces of information from the beginning. It's hard to like kind of keep track. you got to have like a flow chart like back here. I feel like oh, a crazy yeah. person like and- uh, Charlie and Always Sunny in Philadelphia putting up the Pepe Silvia board. <laughs> Where is Pepe Silvia? Um, I have another person who got the needle and he's like, He's like, I don't even want any news about, like, bad reactions and stuff. He doesn't want to hear it because he already got it. And just mm-hmm. hearing that makes him think, oh, <laughs> so he's, a denial, okay? he's like, I'm okay. going to die. I'm going to drop it anymore. He doesn't want to hear that, which I I agree you shouldn't, like, be think You should be thinking positive. But, you know. I, I like to think it helped me. Who, who who fucking knows at this point? But you know, yeah. if I, I if I go back to it, you know, one of the things I re- we we just mentioned Syracuse University and yeah. the school that we went to, and generally these schools have low acceptance rates. They are charging a ton of money too, and a lot of people that are getting into these journalism programs these days, unless they're getting it on scholarship or something like that, they go to these big schools that are churning out journalist after journalist after journalist. I don't think that these people are as 
connected to the struggles of day-to-day life. And I would include myself in that conversation as the average journalist that maybe we had in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, etc. I think that the journalism, the general person that gets a degree in journalism and actually becomes successful in journalism probably is able to do so and get in on the bottom floor of something because they have some sort of financial backing. Because it does suck at, at first. Like You don't make anything generally for the first couple of years, the first couple mm-hmm. of jobs. You do need to have some sort of support system to kind of hold you in place if you're just going to focus on that one specific job. I think that we've gotten to a point where there's so many people that are in news that are just out of touch with the average person. Like they don't have a conversation with a regular person. They're mm-hmm. making, you know, six figures, seven figures. Why would you ever have a conversation with the average person that has, I don't know, a couple of kids, works a couple of different jobs? And I think that has been become a part of it. I, I don't think that the average mainstream journalist that's getting paid a lot of money has any idea how to relate to the average person. And also I think the ones who try to give more of a voice to the average person, which, cause the average person's story doesn't always lie within the narrative. And, uh, the, the more you try to give, you know, shed light on, on everyone's story, you get, you actually get targeted and disciplined. Um, I've seen that happen. And since, since I left and told my story, I've heard from so many where it's the same. But you know there's these gossip sites. I, maybe you don't know, but you probably do. The puck through gossip sites that gossip about every journalist, like if they're at all you know, straying from the narrative, they get gossiped about, and the gossiping is the beginning of the end of their career. Right. And then, I mean, you know, if you just hear stories about what takes place in, say, Washington, D.C. or other places – these communities are very tight knit, even though they seem adversarial too. So you could see someone from Fox and someone from MSNBC, for example, like maybe they, you know, on the air, they're like kind of at each other's throats, but they go to the same places, the same areas. They talk with the same people. They might be friendly with the same people because they're all like going to act like there's some sort of like Illuminati or something like that going on. But it does feel like there is a just different class of people that since they don't actually interact with someone who's like normal, You know, they just don't really understand that that person has much different struggles, adversities that they face on a daily basis than them. And I think the other issue with lack of trust is that there there is this top down formula with with a lot of corporate news. Now, you're a sports commentator, so it's a lot different. Right. But in corporate news, um, oftentimes there's scripts that are fed down from New York that go out to TV stations. Right. I've seen some of those montages where they have like a YouTube video and everyone's saying the exact same thing. I think there was something for, was it Google? And I think it was on like every single late night talk show at the same time. Amazon. Right. um, And then of course the famous PSA about disinformation. But you know, when any time at Fox, anytime I would anchor the news, um, half of my show would be scripts from New York fed down from network. Ah just rereading what someone else wrote and, and the rest of my show would be written by my producer, uh, largely from um, associated press feeds. And so it's just rehashing what some corporate, you know, top person fed down. And, um, didn't even get to put it in your own words either. Like they're just like, you have to read this verbatim. Well, you could, you could adjust it a little bit. And in fact, you know, they would give you very little time to do so because yeah, I, I would be anchored. And you probably think to yourself, shit, I, I got a bunch yeah. of stuff to do. Why would I prioritize yeah, I, this? I would have two hour long shows and I have to go through 
and adjust things and, and fact check. It actually anchoring was extremely stressful for me uh, compared to reporting because reporting, I'm collecting the facts on the ground. I'm out there in the field, witnessing it myself, making sure this is true. Anchoring, I'm going through a bajillion stories all in one show, and I have to trust what someone else wrote for me. Oh, wow. And, you know, or someone else a is couple t- you know, yeah, a couple of, t- you know, when I'm tossing, anchoring, you're tossing to a reporter, that's, the that's field, their yeah. story. So that's all good. But, um, a couple of times I caught fake news in my show. Oh, one, wow. one to get this one time, I caught a, a story about a immigrant child who died at the border, uh, totally fabricated. I rewrote it to make sure people knew that this was something being, being fabricated by, a um, an activist group, and um, as it was coming up to me, uh, so we go live on TV. I had rewritten it in the teleprompter. The producer literally put her old script back in after after I redid it. The producer put let the you know fake either. script again. Moments before I had to read it, I ended up reading fake news on air because oh my God. Boom, there it was, and I was just like. You know, <laughs> why don't you just so that, I guess the question in response to that would be if if there's a collaborative process in making the actual news broadcast and you have reservations about it and the producer is like, well, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure like obviously there's time constraints because you've got so many different stories that you got to like actually fit into a newscast. But I mean, if there's any doubts about a story, like why put it on the newscast? Right. I mean, because right. that's aren't you supposed totally. to aren't you supposed you know. to be reporting on things that you actually know about? Right. Yeah. So actually, and, and of course, I was I was a fill in anchor. And so I would anchor every Christmas while the regular anchors were. Um, oh, so, and so I always had to I always had to report about Santa on, on Christmas, which is fake news. Oh, damn. <laughs> All the kids watching. You just ruined Christmas in July. Cover, Damn it! If I you want to lie to your kids, cover their ears for this show. Sorry, I should. Have you, you spoiled it already. No. All right. So here's the thing. I was like, <laughs> I am not going to talk about the Santa NORAD tracker and act like this is really happening. Isn't it funny? That's a NORAD tracker too. I mean, isn't that like an anti-missile defense system? NORAD, right? Like, <laughs> going to shoot him down. <laughs> like get a bazooka <laughs> out or. Or something like that. Stinger missile. Was, you know, it's tradition. Whoops, killed Santa. It's tradition in the news for Langer to be like, well, here's here's Santa on the screen. And then they show like a terrible graphic too. That's like, it's like, here's a video of Santa. And it's like graphics that you would see on like a Nintendo GameCube back in like 2004. <laughs> it's like not even, not even like a current graphic. Like someone, someone should go out and like make the actual uh, CGI graphic of it. Like someone that's made a Marvel movie or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, parents, that's cute that you tell your kids fairy tales, but that does not belong in a newscast that is supposed to be about reality. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I, you know, I, I, to, to the producer, I was literally like, if you want me to literally read this, and like show a freaking graph of what's supposed to be Santa actually going across the globe. I am going to say according to popular fairy tale. So I literally wrote in my script according to popular fairy tale. And, and, and well, they're not going to let that slide though. You're you're trying to spoil Christmas, Ivory. Let's like not get past this. You are you are trying to cancel Santa. You know. So you know what? It's just what the left wants. 
<laughs> I said, you know, I, I literally wrote that in. My producer saw it and it was like, oh my God. He was, so he just deleted the whole script for me. And I was like, okay, cool. Thank you. That's because, really funny. You know, I, I was like, the, the news is supposed to be about reality, you know? Yeah. And so, and I, and like everyone thinks I'm insane for that, but I was like, even as far as Santa, you know. <laughs> Santa, Santa, no, you know what? I'm going to draw the line at Santa. Hello. <laughs> Uh, did you ever, did you watch all those Santa movies growing up? Did you watch, did you watch them? Um, yeah, I mean. Okay, yeah. okay. I, there, there's one movie, I, I have a hot take, like the, so watch this again. If you have to watch it with your kids, the, the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the, 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 uh. Oh, I liked that one. But I always Santa's such was- a dick in that movie. He's a dick. He's a total, he's such a jerk. Like the whole movie. And I remember, I forget what was happening. I think my dad was like just having some fun, but he's like. Listen, son, just like and I was like a teenager, so I think he knew I could probably get through the sarcasm. He's like, this Santa's a communist because <laughs> he wants everyone to be the same. He doesn't want anyone to, you know, to rise up the ranks. And he's not tolerant of people who are different. And I was like, OK, dad, this is uh, oh, wow. really intense for a claymation movie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I liked the Santa movies, but I always knew it was a fairy tale. My parents never lied to me about Santa. Oh, so so. Uh, <laughs> Did you just ask? No, they just, oh, they, they always, they up. always kept it real. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Santa thing. Uh, all the kids believe in that, you know, but I was, I was, uh, I was always I feel in bad in a way though. Like, I mean, it's probably the right move to do, I guess. But um, if you want your kids to kind of be grounded in reality and I'll, I'll admit, like it took me a little bit too long to like stop believing in Santa Claus. Cause I was convinced <laughs> that my uncle, when he came and visited me when I was three, I was like, I actually met Santa. You fucking idiots. Like, I remember people would, like, come up to me, like, Santa's not real. I was like, I met him. And it was, like, my uncle, and, like, he looked nothing like Santa. And I, like, look back at pictures now, and I'm like, oh. So it took me a little bit longer than it probably should have. Oh, man. So you would think that with the vast majority of American kids believing in a fairy tale, then having their fairy tale shattered and realizing they were lied to, that would cause them to be critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. But sadly, we don't see that. (laughs) We just don't see that. Anyway, but uh, so these are some of the fairy tales the news um, talks about. So let's get back to what Syracuse is doing about. So, so, oh, I I, actually, I wasn't, I know, we got on a huge Santa tangent. The Santa tangent is really the the best thing that's ever happened. I was going to show one more thing about this Axios article. It breaks it down by political party. And America's trust in mass media, it's interesting, Democrats have way more trust in mass media than Republicans. Uh, Democrats are at 73% trust in mass media. Republicans only 10%. Yeah. What's your your take on that? I mean, I have conversations with friends sometimes, and they, they tell me assertively that things that they're seeing that do seem to be coming through a left prism, they will tell me that these things are 100% right. And, you know, we, we both have a news background. Like, I, I'm not going to act like I've done the amount that you've done. But, you know, we went to college at the same schools. We took the same classes. And also, like, I've done my own little dabbling into news radio in the last couple of years. And I'm, honestly, ever since my little chill dog incident, I've been a lot more focused on the news than I ever had been before. And I just generally, I think it's, it's healthy to be skeptical of everything that comes out there. And I, I don't know how you train the average person to say that or to feel that the institutions that maybe they've grown up watching are incorrect when there are so many people that will all just kind of spout the same thing based off of what they see. 
And I, I, I'm shocked that that's 73%. I figured it would be closer to like, I don't know, like 50 to 45 or something like that. Because, but then again, I mean, I had a conversation recently with somebody um, and I just brought up like, I mean, all these cable news shows to me, I'm just like, they're, they're a little bit too far one way or the other. I like a little nuance. I like a little middle ground. But then they like brought up like, oh, well, Rachel Maddow never like says anything wrong. And I was like, okay, I know I look like Rachel Maddow <laughs> if I had no beard. But I disagree entirely. And I've been reading this book, and um, I encourage any of you guys to check it out if you'd like to deep dive into journalism. It's called um, Hate.Incorporated by Matt Taibbi, mm. who is a journalist that considers himself independent. But mm. a lot of people like to try to push him into a specific like box. Like, he used to be like, he used to be left, but now he's talking differently. Now he's been pushed to the right. He doesn't like to be like kind of associated with either side. But basically, I mean, it just kind of highlights the ways that both parties over the last, excuse me, both, I guess, massive news stations that we look at have kind of done this game where it's sort of like for a sportscaster like myself, a lot like what you have with first take where people are throwing out hot takes. And then there's never really a follow up to these stories. You'll see a story, juicy headline gets put out there. You see it, you're like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous. And then there's never really a follow up on it because the next day there's going to be a nice, fresh, juicy piece of meat for you to get mad about. And sometimes you'll see with the follow-ups, like, oh, this story wasn't that big of a deal. And, I mean, there's it's countless the drive examples of this. drive-by media. That's why they don't yeah. 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 So my take is that I, it is surprising that Democrats uh, trust the news at 73%, but I think um, it's obviously higher. Trust in the news is higher for Democrats than Republicans because still. the news is left-leaning. So and it, most journalists so are. You're right. You're right. Are, are hearing someone preach to the choir and they're like, yeah, the news is spot on, you know, because the news is reiterating the Democrat talking points. So I can see why the trust is so much higher. It, I'd also say that generally people, uh, to go back to what we were talking about, the people that go to these schools, a lot of people that go to these journalism schools, they tend to lean left and you kind of are encouraged to lean left when you go to these schools because everybody else is mm-hmm. and it's it's look I'm, I'm not gonna dump on people for thinking the same way as people like them when you're in your formative years i know that one of the reasons that i'm closer to the middle of the road and slightly right in the middle of the road is because of my dad always being so far right and then having this experience in college where i was constantly kind of like trying to defend you know things that i grew up believing because of my dad and stuff and you get a little bit of both but i think that would explain um, why as many people do kind of trust it. Cause I think that there's also a lot of people that go into it. They end up leaning left because they were leaning left to begin with. Yeah. It's, it, it's still a mystery to me why, you know, throughout the corporate news in my nine years in corporate news, no matter what newsroom I was in, the newsroom was left leaning. Everyone there knew that if, if you had, you know, behind the scenes off air chit chatting with your coworkers, you never bring up a right wing idea or represent right wing. Yeah. You know, you stay, if you think right wing, you stay in the closet. The, the, the last, uh, the place I worked at in Seattle had a news radio station and it had a conservative talk station. And I found myself very close with one of the guys at the conservative talk station, uh, Jason Rance, for those who don't know, he's regularly on Tucker Carlson. He was the one who gave me actually the opportunity to do news radio. There was another guy by the name of Dory Monson, who I like a lot. And it would be funny because you would hear stories about how the newsroom would get so pissed off because one person would tweet something, and the next thing you know, there would be people shouting at each other. Huh. And here we are, like the idiot sports people, just like like sort of like 
eating popcorn and sitting in the background as everyone was tearing each other and do you know what just because of the differing political opinions they had. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I've heard too many stories of like people getting persecuted and then fired if they if behind the scenes they happen to be right wing. So the left the left wing, you know, everyone at least pretends to be the left wing. Yeah. And my last newsroom, that's that was the case. One of my coworkers talked about you know, oh, I just got out of a meeting with the boss. She thinks I'm a huge Biden fan. This is great, you know, because that was job security for him. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Because you're a fan of a politician? Yeah, because you're somehow proving that you're, you know, a leftist in the newsrooms want leftists. And it's a mystery as to why. So. But, but why would you want a journalist who's a fan of any politician? Like, right? I mean, yeah. isn't the whole right. point of a journalist to kind of be like, hey, I'm I am the check on you in exactly. case you get up to any bullshit. Exactly. That's right or good. left. It's, I mean, that's what our job is. It's like the fourth estate. Right. Instead exactly. of like giving, just reading the talking points that they give us. I'm sure there was always some iteration of that back in the day. I've been reading this book about um, Alan Foster Dulles and the CIA. And, and I mean, guys in the CIA had their people in the newspapers and they tell them what to say. Like that's always happened, but same time, uh, the whole mock project Mockingbird or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that is. What's that? That's no, that I guess that's what it was about. Oh. Just having CIA plans in the news. Yeah, probably. I found out about this after I left corporate news. And people who asked me about it were stunned. Wait, the news, news never taught <laughs> yeah. journalism school, never taught you about Project Mockingbird. I was, I was like, no, <laughs> never heard of it. I, I, I would just say, yeah, if you want to lose more faith in American institutions than you maybe already have, go read. Uh, uh, I'm reading this still now. I'm like 500 pages in. It's called The Devil's Chessboard. Uh, it, mm. it'll, <laughs> I haven't even gotten up to the part where JFK dies, but I'm close. <laughs> and there's already a lot of like, oh, hey. Jesus. <laughs> I think I know what happened here now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I'm waking up to so much since I left the corporate news. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, so let's get to the thing with Syracuse. So Syracuse is trying to address the lack of trust in the media as mm. one of the uh, premier journalism schools yeah. pumping out young journalists. They want their new journalists to gain the media, uh, the audience's trust. So they went on CNN to talk about their mm. new project to address this 11% trust. And they shared it on their Instagram here. Okay. Uh, it's critically important in our effort that we also renew a trust in journalism. And as we all know, the statistics show that those numbers of people who trust journalists today is incredibly low. And so it's really important that newsrooms today embrace a sense of true accuracy in their reporting and a transparency in the process. And probably most important is building a diverse newsroom. So people see others like themselves in the newsroom, in the decision-making process. And that's not just racially or regards to gender or age, but also politically. If we can show that our newsrooms are more diverse in many ways, and I believe we'll get more people to rebuild their trust within journalism itself. All right, Deans Mark Lodato and David Van Slyke, thank you both. We'll be right back. What do you think of that? No. And the way that they present it, I mean, I get what they're I get what they're going for, but I mean, there's so many obstacles in the way. I mean, just think about the way that the actual journalism world works. Um, 
you go from market to market to market to market until you end up in a big one. And you're always looking to go up. You're generally not looking to stay in the small town where you start. You're not making a lot of money because guess what? Everyone wants to make money in this industry. Guess what? It doesn't pay that much unless you get up to the very high points of journalism. So you can't have trust if you have somebody that's jumping from market to market and doesn't know (laughs) shit about the city they're in. And I say this as somebody who went to uh, Seattle. Um, I had built up over eight oh, crap. Years. I'm spilling your champagne. No, you know what? That was an expert pour. Wow. Give yourself, give yourself a little bit. It of literally bubbled over and then it stopped. You got it. You got it. You got to aim with the glass. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Uh, so when I was here in Houston, I was here for eight years and I've been back for six months and guess how you build trust. You're there for a while. I come to Seattle and I'm talking about sports. And again, we're talking about sports here. Everyone's got an opinion on sports, even if they don't know what they're talking about. And even if I was watching as much film on the Seattle Seahawks as I possibly could and knew about the history and read up as much as I can, hearing my voice, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like they don't trust you unless you've been there for a while. I think a big thing about it to gain trust, you got to be in the same place for a long period of time. And it's not like, People are getting hired straight out of college to go to these big cities or to go to Washington or something like that. It takes a while to get up to those places. And to get to those places, generally, you're probably going to meet some powerful friends along the way that maybe have, I don't know, a handshake or two with some of those popular decision makers that actually are elected. So I I think that's a big problem just out of the start. The way that the industry is set up, you can't build trust with the community because you're essentially like, Hey, I'm here for two years and then I might end up somewhere else or I might be out of a job and not working in the industry again. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, when you stay in a city for a while, you learn the intricacies of that city, but it takes time. And, yeah. and you know, it, it, it takes a while to build those relationships. And uh, you, you better understand what uh, the viewers are really curious about and what they're demanding answers on the longer you're there. As I, and I think that's the biggest thing because even, you know, maybe for some, you know, uh, low information viewers, right? Uh, low information viewers who, you know, don't really pay too much attention to what's going on, but they like a familiar face. That might be true that, oh, I've seen that this guy's been on my uh, airwaves for 10 years, so I trust him more. But for a lot of people, it doesn't matter how long they've been on the air. Rachel Maddow has been on the air for many moons and people don't trust her. <laughs> a lot of people don't. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, you are, and if you're a truth seeker, it is easier for you to gain people's trust. If you've been in that TV market for a long time, because you, you have your sources and you're right. more connect, you've the been connected with your viewers longer and so that you can, when your viewers have a question about a di- you know, a difficult question, can you figure out what the heck is really going on with this? When you're new to that outlet and that location, it's harder for you to find answers. When you've been there for a while, yeah. you can find uh, you can really get to the truth, and the truth is often difficult to find. And you know what's funny? I mean, you mentioned it just a second ago. You build up those sources. You're building, you're literally building trust with those sources that they're sharing information with you. Oh, that's huge. And, and if you are actually someone who can keep it to yourself. And I mean, let's be honest too, there's a lot of gossipy people in our industry. I know that, I mean, we, 
Well, as journalism, a, journalism people love to talk about shit that they've heard about that they can't actually talk oh, about on the air amongst themselves. Because they're in the business right. of, of sharing information. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. You, you're not, as a journalist, you're not supposed to keep information to yourself, you know, if it's newsworthy. And so you have to build trust with people who, you know, they're aware you're, you're going to spill the beans on this. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes confidential sources can be really key. If they oh, yeah. Yeah. pass on a document to you, you know, here, here's this top secret document we're outing because it applies to the viewers. Um, you know, so you have to build trust with those people so that a confidential source knows you're not going to out them. One of the big, um, you know, pillars of journalism ethics is that when you say off record, you mean off record. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. So, but not everyone does that. Every journalist wants everything to be on record. That makes their job easier. But mm-hmm. sometimes you Means- keep someone's name off record so that you can slide. They can slide you information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, here's my take on the Syracuse thing. Now, I like what the dean said there about. Um, <clears throat> Diversity. Okay, he's like not only racially. I guess you know Which is a that, that was that was weird. Like you're gonna build tr- trust by adding different races. Like oh, so skin color is gonna make people believe you. That was weird. But then he said, but politically, diversity politically, and I think that is something that is missing, and it is why you see the Republican segment of the audience with a 10 percent trust rate. And Democrat with 75% trust rate because you're not seeing political diversity on the airwaves. It's only leftists. How do you- Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. You, though, encourage diversity of thought when and again i'm on the outside looking at so i'm going to claim a little bit of ignorance on this side of things but when it does seem like in schools especially public schools there's a lot of left-leaning things that someone's going to deal with on a perhaps day-to-day basis and random classes that they might take and also too in these journalism classes all of a sudden are you expecting like tenured professors to hear this from the dean and say to themselves all of my personal beliefs that i have felt my whole life I am just going to not insert them into teaching points in conversation. I, I, I think honestly that these teachers should just shut the fuck up and not actually share those side of things. But I, I, I wonder, I, it sounds great in principle, but it's like a lot of things like, how are you actually going to enact this? I don't, I don't really see how. So my concern with this new program Syracuse is launching, they're they're launching it in D.C. So Syracuse is located in New York. That's where we went to college. Um, and uh, he, that's, this was the dean of our former, our former little school, mm-hmm. new house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they're launching um, a satellite branch in D.C. What concerns me is they're mixing the school for politics and the school for journalism together into one program in D.C. Um, So they're literally training politicians and journalists in the same school. Journalists are supposed to be the watchdogs on the politicians. So what's going on here? Are you, it sounds like you're training journalists to be in bed with politicians. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, possibly, literally. I mean, they're in college, so, uh, right? (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. It's gonna be a lot of That's banging. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! Senator so and so, I remember you from that Syracuse. Ooh. Remember that mixer we were at when you were grinding all over this ass? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I guess I can't uh, out this politician's dirty secrets because then he's gonna say something about mm. us back in college. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I did have hot wax poured on my nipples that one time. It was kind of messed up. So, I, I like, why, you know, journalism is supposed to be the fourth estate, which for people who don't know what that means, there's three branches of government, mm-hmm. and journalists journalists are the, um, you know, made-up fourth branch. That their job is to be watchdog on the three branches of government, yeah. judicial, legislative, and executive. So when you're in a little DC program, 
studying alongside these politicians, you know, you, you're being turned into a politician as a journalist. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. But um, beyond that, you know, hopefully the program works out. I All got- you can do is hope. I mean, right. But <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm reading some of the chat. And I mean, uh, as Natasha points out, journalists are not watchdogs. They are collaborators. I mean, like there's a lot of people that feel that way. And, yeah, for I mean, sure. You can't. You know, how do you change how do you change someone's mind? Oh, a couple of classes are going to do that, you know, with some kids that are going to be like 22 years old and ending up in like Winchester's 10 Fieldsville, Iowa or something. <laughs> right. That's from uh, that's from Mr. Deeds. I, I don't know if that's actually a real town. Um, but shout out to my Winchester Fieldsville folks watching. By the way, the uh, the school, the school for politics at Syracuse is where Joe Biden actually went. I know. Don't remember. <laughs> You know, did you know? It's in Biden school. Ah. Okay, so so two things. Uh, I've had two two interactions uh, with. I think the I'm going to say it's Biden security detail. What? So uh, this was I want to say it was like 2009 or 2008. I forget what year. Um, I think I think Biden was in was at like um, ah shoot what there's that there's that one part in the middle of campus where there's like a food court or something like that, and I was I was crossing the street. At, and, wait, at Syracuse? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he was there once because I remember there was like a oh, security before detail. Before he became and I was Jay, I was Jay, yeah, I, I, it was, yeah, when he was vice president, I think. Oh, okay. So I was jaywalking and then like someone said like, sir, you can't walk here. And I was like, why? He's like, don't you know who's here? And I said, no. And then like the guy was like, your vice president's here. And I was like, relax. And I just kept on walking. Uh, and then another time, um, that's right. He became VP while we were students there. Yeah. So again, like it's, it's just, it, it was that specific security detail. I was sort of like, okay, relax. And then there was another time, uh, where uh, Syracuse was in the final four right here in Houston. Um, and all I remember is that we were crossing the street and all of a sudden this like cavalcade of black cars comes like out of this like secret tunnel that was underneath, uh, NRG stadium. And they like just blew through a stoplight and like almost hit all of us. And we were like, Whoa. And I'm just oh like, I always, I've always wondered who that was. I'd like to think it wasn't, but I don't know. Sometimes the small mindedness in me is like, that yeah, was, that was bad in security detail. Well, I, I no guess, idea. yeah, I guess I've dealt with his security detail too. Cause I've covered him a couple of times. I didn't think about that, but yeah, this, I mean, I dealt with him in like really like basically just crossing <laughs> the street versus Biden security detail. Doesn't always work. <laughs> um, so how did I get my uh, position? Yeah. I just, I, I got a journalism degree at Syracuse and then I just, applied, you know, when you graduate, you have to apply to smaller TV markets. And I landed in Columbia, South Carolina. So I got like a smaller, you know, smaller city. I didn't know you started in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So smaller city, um, smaller audience, you make your mistakes there. And then you get that on your resume. And then you build up and eventually you you jump to bigger cities. And so I landed in Houston um, working at Fox owned and operated. So I was actually working for the Murdochs in Houston. And so, you know, I was, I was on my way to journalism greatness when I burned my bridges last year, <laughs> but that's how, that's how I got that done. So that was so funny. I remember I was like visiting in town and I was like, Hey, am I going to get to see you? And then like, and I all like, of a sudden, I got some stuff going yeah, on. she just said, I've got some stuff going on. And I remember like, it was legitimately the week I was visiting Houston and all of a sudden, like, a bunch of people send me this video of like Ira, like holy shit, that's Ira. <laughs> I'm like hell yeah, you go girl. Because I remember like it, uh, it was like I think it was in November. Like I had come back visiting, 
and you were like, I'm fucking sick of it. You were like, you were just sick of it. I, I remember you were pissed off and I was like, yeah, because they were actually control. It was no longer about like before the pandemic, I had job security in that if I collect the facts yeah. and report them, I'm doing my job and I'm not getting fired mm-hmm. in the pandemic. It was like, if you collect the wrong facts, facts that we decide we don't like information, then you're fired. Yeah. You know, no misinformation is supposed to be like misleading people. When you have the facts, you're not misleading people. But suddenly in the pandemic, it was like, you can have all the facts and you'll still get fired because they're the facts that Fox Corp doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And so it was like no job security. What, like what, what's going to be the next fact that Fox doesn't like, you know, as I'm out here collecting the facts, you know, right. so it was like, wait, and this isn't journalism anymore. Right. Like, the facts get me in trouble as a journalist. So that's what I was pissed off about. Yeah. I don't blame you. And um, I, I mean, you want to feel good about your job. And then all of a sudden you're kind of being like, told, like, well, you're not actually doing journalism for now, but it'll be better dif- and different in the future. Right. Like where they probably saying like, this is just like a temporary in these unprecedented times. Um, they, no, they didn't say it was temporary. They were just like, oh. um, mm. you know, they just said you're in trouble because um, the CEO's mad and stuff. And I was like, Classic. oh, that's freaking creepy AF. So I was like, get me out of here. Anyway, so, you know, good luck to Syracuse. I know that Syracuse, um, I hope their new program goes well. I hope they pump out some truth-seeking journalists who aren't afraid who aren't compromised by people picking on them because the issues, these freaking, so many corporate journalists are freaking cowards. They're so freaking concerned about what their colleagues think and what their bosses think that they lose their connection with the truth and the viewers and hunting for facts on the ground. Oh, they find an inconvenient fact. I'm not going to report that because I might get in trouble. You know, so I hope Syracuse pumps up some bold journalists who aren't going to be little cowards. And um, <laughs> I hope, you know, and... I got a great education there. Literally, I always quote one of the lines from my journalism textbook that I had to read, assigned reading at Syracuse. It said, the primary purpose of journalism is to provide the citizens with the information they need to be free and self-governing. I love that. That's what journalism is for in a in a free press society. Um, it's about um, having that direct connection to the individual making sure that their liberty is preserved mm. and that, you know, calling out anyone who's trying to encroach on their liberty, shedding light on that saying, Hey viewer, here's someone who's trying to strip your liberty away. That was, that's what Syracuse taught me to do. That was the primary purpose of journalism. And so I thank Syracuse for that. And it was because of that Syracuse education that I ditched the fake corporate news. So hopefully Syracuse is still teaching that. I don't know. I heard that that journalism school textbook I just referenced is out of print now, which is oh. a big bummer. Oh, no. But, uh, you I know. Don't, I don't think I read it. <laughs> uh, you know, you're like, oh, there's no sports in here. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, that was the funny thing because everyone, they, a lot of the people that go to Syracuse into the journalism school, they want to go there because they want to do sports broadcasting. And that's oh, why I, I went. Yeah. I just wanted to do sports broadcasting. I grew up in Boston. I wanted to talk about the Patriots and the Red Sox every single day. And I mean, here's what's funny. It's like, I haven't talked about either of them either, but then now it's one of many things, like I think back about like, what should I pay a little bit more attention in this class and maybe like a little bit more fascinated as opposed to being so focused on like whether or not Tom Brady is the chosen one. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that would have helped out a little bit. Yeah. It was a big sports casting school, but I was one of the few who was there for news, you know? And so, you know, best of luck to the future of Syracuse. I hope it stays great. Um, Lower the prices. 
Yeah, way too expensive. We're still buried in debt, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. What, we'll see what happens no with that uh, freaking Biden forgiveness program. I don't. <laughs> Not holding breath with anything for him. So uh, let's look at Lake Mead. More human remains discovered at Lake uh, Mead as water levels there drop. Uh, WMUR News reporting this. Um, this video is they're pretty boring. You know the corporate news. Yeah. <laughs> People love advertisements. Okay, so here's the thing. Corporate news doesn't want to show you anything, Graf. They're not going to show you the human remains, but they found human remains <laughs> in Lake Mead, which is a part of the, it's, yeah. it's a. It was created by the Hoover, uh, Hoover Dam. It's a man-made uh, lake. Right. And uh, it says uh, Las Vegas here. It's on the border of uh, Nevada and Arizona. Quote, another body has surfaced at Lake Mead, this time in a swimming area where water levels have dropped as the Colorado River Reservoir behind Hoover Dam recedes because of drought and climate change. Uh, What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, anyone who's into Las Vegas the way that I am... (laughs) I'm thinking about the mafia and I'm not thinking about the global warming side of things because there's been a couple of other bodies that were found. And I mean, isn't this the natural spot? You're going to go, someone's, you know, messing with your casino. Someone's messing with the wrong mob in Vegas. Maybe it's someone in L.A. I mean, this is the perfect place to bury someone. But the problem is, you know, all bodies of water in a desert are probably not long for uh, this world, I would think. Right. Well, you know, I covered the, I covered Hoover Dam's little explosion that it had last week, and I talked about all of the negative uh, news surrounding that area. There's so many deaths that have happened right there. It's really strange. Oh, yeah. Um, just in constructing the Hoover Dam, a lot of people died in making it. Uh, tons of suicides. People jump off the dam. But Lake, Lake Mead, now the water has receded uh precipitously it's at like 27 percent of the level that that it was at its peak um it's literally at a low point that it was at when it was first being filled during um the great depression so lake mead is going empty and all kinds of things are surfacing as the water level goes down and yeah they're finding all kinds of bodies the bodies part is interesting. You know, the depressing part is, I mean, look, I, I know we don't all like to tackle it head on. I, I do think that we're all affecting the climate in some way, shape, or form. But I don't think we can do much about it. I'm kind of like, we're all fucked because no matter what kind of restrictions that our country is putting on ourselves, China and India don't really give a shit, right? I mean, and maybe this is me ignorantly looking at the whole situation and I'm hopeful that I'm wrong on this, by the way. I think we all you should might be hopeful. Be. You, you might be. But I, I feel like I feel like I, I don't I am though not one of those people that's gonna put out because I would imagine, Ivory, did you not see this headline that was like as part of a story that's like global warming continues? Hey, bodies continue to be found in drying up lake. The the way that I think recently we have been told that things are escalating so quickly that to me and that we need to stop like now or tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, like that shitty movie, back in the day with Dennis <laughs> Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal, like something like that's going to happen like tomorrow or something like that. Like I don't subscribe to that. I, I, I think it's like a very slow process that's happening, 
But um, I do think something's happening. So I'm about to drop a bomb about like a bomb you know, on true bombs. This is what? true. Bomb. Don't sue me, YouTube. I know you hate uh, violence. This is only a truth bomb, not an actual bomb. All right, but here, here. First, we're going to show this. Uh, NBC News: NASA satellite images show how much Lake Mead has receded since 2000. Uh, dramatically. Uh, so here's the thing. Here, here it is. Since 2000, all the way down to here. Um, they put out this article after the explosion of the Hoover Dam. Now, which Hoover Dam and Lake Mead are connected. Who, Lake Mead was literally created by the construction of the Hoover Dam. Lake mm. Mead wouldn't exist without the Hoover Dam. Here's my truth bomb. This is a man-made lake. If you are going oh, to, okay. pump, if you're going to pump out something about climate change and how it's the climate affecting things, how about you don't talk about a this. lake, a lake that is only in existence because of human control. Humans directly regulate the size of that lake. Okay. But by, you know, how much how much the dam is actually working. So why would you say, you know, why would you use this? Like, guess what? Because the up, bodies, Ivory. Because there's dead bodies that need to be buried. There, there would be zero lake without human control. So I do not at all trust them saying that, oh, this lake is an example of climate change because that dam regulates the level of the lake. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm, assu- and, and I'm assuming that that was a headline that may have, may or may not have been associated with this most recent story about like meat bodies. Yeah. It, it, well, I mean, the, actually, I think it was the Hoover Dam explosion, then NASA being like, oh, yeah, the, the lake is drying up due to climate change. That's what NASA said. It is due to climate change. And then the bodies are showing up due to climate change. And then um, so we're getting this. And, and here's the thing, like, why focus on a man-made lake? We're not going to trust that. But see, most drive-by viewers don't realize, uh, low-information viewers, don't realize that like this is a man-made lake, that the dam controls the levels of the lake. Oh, I would trust news more about a regular lake. But still, here's the thing. I grew up in Lakeland, Wisconsin. That's not the name of the city. It's the fact that everywhere around me there were lakes. In Wisconsin, where I grew up, there were lakes everywhere yeah and the water levels in those lakes from year to year would go up and down it's um it's normal for lake water levels to go up and down guess what this year the lake closest to my home which if you go to my community tab on this youtube channel you will see my most recent community tab post is me at that lake that i grew up at and um because i was just there last week mm-hmm the water levels are actually up a lot wow. at that lake. Uh, so a natural lake, its water levels are up. The uh, man-made lake, Lake Mead, that's controlled by humans. It seems like it would be it's down. So, more naturally one that would have a water evaporating slash disappearing. Yeah. So I was just okay. like, I don't, I was just like, okay, I'm sure, you know, the climate does change every year. But if you are going to say, you know, if you're going to use one lake to prove climate change, why are you using a man-made lake that is controlled by a dam? That's just that's my hot take. I, I, think, that's, I think that's very reasonable. You gotta you gotta have like an air horn or something like that when you drop a truth bomb. You gotta go like, <laughs> and then like dab on people. That's my show. Oh my god, maybe maybe so. Okay, can I hire you for that? You'll yeah, be the sure. air horn guy. Yeah, you gotta pay me a lot. My going rate is a hundred thousand dollars for air horn. 
All right. You know, we talked so much about Santa Claus. We didn't really get to all these other topics. I know. What are these other what are these other so topics? So monkey pox. Oh, fun. We're in we are in panic mode with monkey pox, you guys. Um I wanted to Wait, show- seriously? This is this is a, I thought this was like a joke. Just the way that because um, pe- people have yeah. been bringing it up, especially in the wake of like a pandemic where what, like hundreds of thousands of people have gotten COVID nineteen and hundreds of thousands of people have died. Yeah. This seems like we're just we're kind of looking for uh, disease porn here at this point. For sure. And this is the uh, the dashboard for Harris County Public Health, which is where Paul and I live. Yeah. I like to look locally. It's a little bit easier to trust them. So in the city of Houston, 66, they're documenting 66 monkeypox cases so far. In greater Harris County, it's another 16, a total of 82 cases. And so the um, director general of, of World Health Org has declared an official uh, global emergency at this point. Okay. And, and if you look at the pandemic in 2020, you know, it kind of started out this way. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it really spread. So I can see why people are, oh, my gosh, is this going to be like what we had? But in studying monkeypox, monkeypox is not a new illness like like the pandemic was. And monkeypox does not spread easily. You have to be in prolonged close contact. I, I read that right. Yeah. It, it seems like one of these diseases that is not even close to as uh, contagious, spreadable as COVID nineteen, and yet here we are yeah. talking about a disease that I mean, right? It's not that many people right now, right? Is it because of the name? Is the name what's making us all freak out? Yeah, some people are saying the name is racist because it came out of Africa. Mm. And they're calling it what they're calling it. Um, but here's the thing. Cancel whoever came up with the name. Totally. Because it went viral. So Literally. here's the thing. Houston is um, one place where they actually found a monkeypox victim to highlight. Mm-hmm. And he's been widely covered now. Is this, he dead? No, he's alive. But he's talking about the painful uh, pox on his face. So it's like smallpox kind of, right? Um, I guess so. You guys want to take a look here? It is. It hurts to exist. Is excruciating. As you can see. From the time it started, it's just progressed and gotten worse and worse. It's right there on his face. What he first thought was just a pimple. And I was like, oh, God, please not me. Please not me. Soon turned out to be monkeypox. Eight different lesions on his chin, even one inside his mouth. Every sip, every bite, it, it's just like, oh, I can't, I can't. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And it's spreading. Now random little lesions are starting to appear on my body. So one on my hand, uh, there's one... There's one here, like there on my wrist. Wallace thinks he caught the virus at a bar July 4th weekend. I'm going to say I probably was kissing somebody that had it and didn't know it, um, just based on where my initial lesions pop up. But says access to the vaccine. There's a huge high-risk population that is just hungry for the vaccine, and they can't, they don't have access to it. Has been so scarce, his friends are leaving the state to get it. I have friends that are actually buying airline tickets, flying to other cities just to go get the vaccine and then come home. He says, along with the pain and the symptoms, can come isolation. The thing is, you look at it, and it's such an ugly virus. You know, you look at it, you just recoil, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be anywhere near that. I knew the stigma that might come with it, but I also know that lots of people are facing that stigma. He has support, but wants others to know they're not alone. Just let them know that they're not some kind of pariah, that they're not dirty. 
Well, first of all, I commend him for coming forward and telling his story because, you know, for some people that's embarrassing. Yeah. But, you know, at least with this illness, you will know exactly who has it, you know, in most cases because it's really, really visible pox. A lot of times on your hands and on your face, it comes from you. I mean, you have to be like in really close contact with these people. Yeah, that's what I would think. I mean, uh, it does seem like a lot of it is coming through a very specific way, if you will, uh, based off of what I've read. Um Oh, you mean between gay people? I I just mean it seems like it's coming through pro, uh, prolonged sexual contact, right? Like, and 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 I mean, it does seem like that maybe is of the demographics that have been getting it, like the one that's been the most. Honestly, who knows how it spreads? Oh, I, I had this I, I think article. That I think the problem with with right now is that a story or a disease like this comes out, and that because of what has happened over the last two years. The natural inclination is to present the story in a way where it scares the shit out of everyone. Yeah, people are tired of fear porn. I brought this up because CNN's reporting the WHO chief just advised that men who have sex with men reduce the number of partners um, in order to limit monkeypox, so it that seems, seems like kind of homophobic, right? Like, <laughs> is this kind of assuming that they're like every, that they're sleeping around or something like well, that? Well, they're they're pushing out this narrative that it's that it's the gay community that's really spreading this. Um, but what concerns me about the director general is that he is he put this little statement out about monkeypox. Take a look. Misinformation and disinformation can spread rapidly online. So we call on all social media platforms, tech companies, and news organizations to work with us to prevent and counter harmful information. So that tells me we're not going to get the full truth if, again, he's calling on tech companies to censor things that Tedros believes are harmful. Because we saw what Tedros and these people thought was harmful with the first illness of 2020, and it happened to be life-saving information that they called harmful. So I'm really concerned. I hate that word. I'm really concerned that he's like, please censor disinformation when, you know, the things that these people have decided are disinformation are straight-up facts. I mean, we saw peer-reviewed studies get censored on Facebook. So I'm really concerned about what the direction we're seeing with, with monkeypox. You know, are we going to get the truth when Tedros is putting out that memo? That word is subjective, especially when, you know, we talk about science. Science is constantly evolving. Hypothesis challenges proven, supposedly, hypothesis. And that just keeps going and going and going and going. And we slowly learn things over time. I, I, I get it that there are some people that will post things online that maybe aren't true, but it doesn't mean that everything posted isn't true if it's not coming from the government. And yeah, it's been one of the more frustrating things is kind of like sitting back from the sideline, I guess, and just watching the way that news coverage has handled specifically this. I, I don't, I don't like that there are people in positions of power that can just call something arbitrarily misinformation well what happens if eventually that misinformation is proven to be true you know it's which kind we've of, seen happen so many right. times it's kind of it's it's 1600s-esque it's like telling you know the people that were making all those big discoveries as we got into the enlightenment era it's like telling all those people you know oh well 
I'm the church and we disagree. So we're going to burn you alive because clearly you're a witch. Like it's, it's not, you're killing, you're not killing somebody, but yeah. you're shutting voices off. And it's because of things like that. I, I think the good thing about this one, Ivory, is that it seems like it's such a small, small number of people. I think that the name of the disease is the thing that's really carrying it right now as far as it's, uh, I don't know, talked about in this relevance uh, in the national conversation right now. Um, you know, it probably, hopefully, I mean, this, we've looked, this is not a new disease. It's been plaguing a small number of people on the African continent for decades so we understand this disease, and unless someone has manipulated it to make it more contagious, it is not something that is going to spread like the illness that spread in 2020. So I, I'm like, is the media being real about that? Because the media, when I was in the corporate media, they were not being real about a lot of things with the pandemic. And um, like you talked about with this whole, we must censor mis and disinformation that was the first red flag to me in, in the corporate news. And I called it out immediately when I saw it in 2020. And, and I post an Instagram video like, hey, this is not how we work in a free press, free speech society. And Fox came at my throat for that. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. And so that's when I realized, wow, my company is compromised. I can't even stand up for free speech working for this company. And that's when I got out. But um we have got to finish on a lighter note. Ah. Uh, you know, Paul is a cat guy. He loves cats. Cats are great. He I love ha- dogs too, by the way. A, he has a pet cat. I have I have a pet cat. If you have a cat, you can travel. If you have a dog, you can't. And my thing about dogs, dogs are great. I love dogs. I really do. You don't have to pick one or the other like some people do. But dogs are a lot of work. I feel like if I had a significant other, I would be very much into the idea of a dog. But taking care of the dog all the time when I'm gone sometimes for like 10 oh. hours a day, I feel bad for a dog or something totally. like that. I also think there's a Cats lot of bad... low maintenance. They're low maintenance. And guess what? When have you ever heard about a bad a bad cat parent? Where um, you see a bad dog parent all the time. You know you know at least one person in your group of friends who has a dog who is terrible at training that dog. You all see it. You all know what I'm talking about. I love dogs, but every now and then you got you to gotta hump her. Or something like that. And it's always funny to see the person who's raising that dog say, oh, they're never like this. Bullshit. They're always like this. Or they're always barking or chewing everything. Yet it's the cats that have the bad reputation. You know, I love them both as well. But we got this new headline out of Fox News saying that cats, quote, cats are classified as invasive alien species (laughs) by Polish Scientific Institute. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to trigger Paul. He loves cats. They're inva- <laughs> they're an invasive species now. Well, so, look, they kill the shit out of everything. Like, they're, they're, they're natural-born killers. They are descended from lions and tigers. <laughs> they're cats that were smart enough to go around humans who were like, oh, you're kind of, like, small and fuzzy and cute and... If you kill all these rats around us, yeah, we'll give you the occasional scrap of food. But they're killing machines. So the idea of them as invasive species, I I could buy into that entirely, even if it does trigger me just a little bit. (laughs) Because they kill everything. I mean, they they will kill things and bring them to you as a present. Like, have, have you ever had, have you seen a cat? that's like killed a mouse or a bird and like puts it in its mouth and drops it on your doorstep. My best friend's cat, (laughs) when I was in high school in Florida, 
My best friend's cat is named Simba. Still kicking it. 20 years old. Beautiful cat. Wow. This cat would sit by the door and sneak out. And my friend lived like in mangroves that were on the edge of essentially um, this little inlet that went out to uh, uh, Tampa Bay. So there's like alligators and shit all over the place in this area. This cat would like roam through these man- these mangroves, grab a rabbit. And like rabbits, you know, cats are like this big. A rabbit's like this big. Grab rabbits, bring it to the doorstep, like saw it in half, like eviscerate oh it. Just leave it at the doorstep <gasps> as a present. Oh They're gosh. vicious little killing machines. So they are. No, so yeah. My mom has cats. In you know, if you guys watched my truth bombs last week, I was in Wisconsin with her. She's in rural Wisconsin. It's like, oh, it's like are they barn cats? They're just like these wild cats that not nothing spayed or neutered. They're out there having kittens. Oh. The kittens were cute. But when I was there, like, I was just hanging out on the back porch. I think I was drinking my morning smoothie or something. I hear, like, this shuffling in the woods. I look, and, like, the cat is literally taking down a squirrel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It literally just, like, pounced on a squirrel and killed it and, like, broke its neck in front of me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, but here's the thing. Maybe squirrels are, I mean, squirrels are very, um, Squirrels are everywhere. If you can catch a, a cat that can catch a squirrel is an especially nimble cat. Because those things, I mean, a mouse or a rat, like, I don't think that they're, rats at least will fight a cat. Uh, mouse is kind of fucked. Um, but You know, mice and squirrels are almost invasive, invasive species themselves. Oh, no doubt. They follow, they follow us everywhere. I mean, rats cause, have caused as many deaths as anything in the history of mankind. So, so cats are healthy. They are no, you are you you are right about that. They are they are helpful, but they're definitely invasive. I mean, like they they, they kill wildlife like for sport. They don't do it. To, <laughs> they don't always do it to eat. They just kill things for the sake of killing them, and we let them get away with it because they're cute. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love cats. A lot of people hate them, but uh, this it so the study out of a lot Poland, of people are allergic to them. I think is the oh, yeah. that's true. That's true. Well, the study in Poland, I'm just assuming Poland, what, they don't have a lot of cats, and now the cats are here, and they're like, oh, my God, the cats are populating. <laughs> but the study found that cats hunt and kill birds and other wildlife, it says, but cat lovers are responsible, are responding to the new accusation. What are they responding to? I mean, that's it's very accurate. Anyone who knows cats knows, like, they, they are they, – they are, unbelievably gifted with instincts to help them kill. Like, they can see in, in, in almost complete darkness. They are That's fast. True. They can jump. They can climb. Like, they can do all sorts of incredible things, considering they're such small little uh, little beasts. Um, well, oh, this, look at all um, these pictures. This one, you know, the Whoa. founder the founder of Alley Cat... Alley Cat Allies, the founder of Alley Cat Allies is not pleased. She said, make no mistake, labeling cats as invasive is is a preferred first step in a broader strategy of killing them in huge numbers through ghastly cat hunts and poisoning, she said in a statement to Fox News. Ooh, so that's concerning. (laughs) It it, it is concerning. I I, I mean, but I mean, we have the same situation with dogs too. I I will say this about cats. I think a cat can seriously attack a human, but uh, a cat killing a human, like how many times has that actually happened? Maybe eating a dead human that's happened. But I mean, I saw a story here recently in Houston uh, where there's like a pack of wild dogs that like killed a, a, like a 60 year old man. And they were only able to get some of them. They didn't get all of them. And, it's horrible. Uh, um, wow. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to turn this into a cat versus dog thing here either. <laughs> all, all, all I'm saying is though that like, yeah, cats are an invasive species, but like, who gives a fuck about like birds, squirrels, rats, and rat and mice? Is that is that an insensitive thing to say? Well, uh, it, the scientific community kills mice all the time. Yeah, they did cab- My sister did that. That was her, oh that, before God. she got into uh, being a doctor. That was like her internship. She looked decapitating mice. Yeah, nobody, they do. nobody cares about mice. They, there's bird lovers for sure. But, uh, you know, it's all your perspective. I think that I, I think, I think that spaying and neutering cats um, turns them evil. Um, I, city cats are miserable. For some reason, growing up in Wisconsin, we had these peaceful, wonderful, happy, purring cats. And you come to the city. Except for when they killed the squirrel. Well, they're, that's like who they get to be who they are. They were born to do that. And that's probably why they're so happy. They kill a squirrel and they, they come back and purr in, there, in your lap. There, there are some cities. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these, but um, or, or islands that have like totally adopted um, the idea of like, hey, the cats are like kind of our homies and we just love them hang around. Um, Istanbul. Uh, there's like saucers of milk outside, like almost every single shop. Uh, cats are essentially like super protected there. Uh, I think the island of Cyprus. So basically, in that like oh. one little area of the world, like cats are like kind of like given exceptionally a high standard of living, considering they are wild and living in a city. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I just think I, I'm just like I just noticed that city cats are miserable, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because they're trapped in a house. But I was like, maybe it's their hormones because they got spayed and neutered. That's my conspiracy theory. Probably, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think Aria wants to uh, live life. <laughs> so, anyway, I love cats and dogs, but I just I noticed that cats have more hate. Um, so that's my take. And um, with that, we have gone over the hour deadline. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. A great conversation with Paul Galant Thank you. Sports. I have Paul's uh, social media link down below if you want to follow his work. Yeah, if you want to hear about uh, the Houston Texans, the uh, Houston sports teams, but also the occasional uh, diving into political water sports take, um, like Brittany Griner or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's fun to follow. Awesome. All right. We will talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend. Peace. Bye. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now.
Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. 